0: Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. and welcome back to the yikes podcast the podcast about all the things that make us go yikes all the things that can be super overwhelming and can make us run away from them because they seem too big or scary um but instead we say we need to lean into the yikes of the world because that's the only way that we can transform this fear into action and actually do something to transform our world and make it a better place um so i'm michaela loach you actually we already said that in the intro bit but i've said it again <laughs> said again I'm
1: Jovica and actually like it's been such a long time since the two of us have just been like us and just Mm. like recorded with each other so I'm I'm buzzing like it's like really nice to just I don't know there's just been a lot of happening and and everything's like yeah and so now we're here
0: yeah it's been nice because I think that we've both had lots of stuff going on and projects we're working on I think has made it quite hard for us and we live in different countries now so it's harder for us to to get together but I do love our just kind of cash more casual Chitots. chit chats yeah. um and that's how the pod started so um it's nice to be back there but we also hope that everyone's been enjoying the on the front lines episodes in between because um that's something that I'm like super proud of with the podcast that we've been mm-hmm. able to do that and I think that we've hopefully found some way to like meaningfully like platform and be in solidarity with groups so hope everyone's enjoying yeah, that yeah i've loved that um, but yeah, before we before. start the episode we should address <laughs> something <laughs> so this <is> getting awkward <laughs> <laughs> no no only that basically i am very aware that i speak really quickly um i listen she to just a bad part down but <laughs> yeah i speak I, that was the slowest i've probably spoken on the podcast but like i i speak really quickly my brain goes at two times speed i listen to all my podcasts and audiobooks on minimum 1.5 speed or two times speed it's just that my brain goes very quickly um and i do try and slow it down but i really get that i'm still going really quickly um and I we have got feedback a few times that um I speak too quick or both sometimes both of us speak too quick (laughs) um especially for non-native English speakers but a recommendation that I would give is that on Spotify at least I'm not sure if on other platforms you can actually listen to the episodes on 0.5 times speed or 0.8 times speed I can't be actually having to suggest this (laughs) that I speak that quickly but I think that could be really helpful um for people um so I thought I'd just suggest that and whilst obviously like it would be great if I could just speak slower during the episodes I think that could disrupt the flow quite a lot and it's nice just to feel like I'm having a conversation um so I think that's a like kind of a compromise that we can find between me and me and Mm. you the listener hopefully me and you the listener
1: I mean yeah I'll also address something because we also got some feedback that we say a lot of like like Mm -hmm. and I know I do it I do too um and I definitely do want to work on it but I'm also going to say that like it is hard to constantly like think about not saying like Mm. and right now I'm also learning another language and I'm like my head is also in like many different spaces and especially when we talk about like like uh deep things Mm. and just kind of like we're having a flowing conversation like I don't constantly want to be thinking about this one word and so I do want to I do want to address it Mm -hmm. but it's not unfortunately the center of my attention and it's not going to be my life project to eradicate this word from my language yeah so. and also
0: I mean Joe's speaks like three languages <laughs> this is wild and this yeah. is and also you're doing a podcast in your non-native language which is incredible well no 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 English is better than my German like <laughs> that's not an excuse but also like it's just like it's, it's just not it's also the just focus normal. of my my yeah, friend who's, a, like, who's um, who did linguistics said so that it's actually linguistically normal to say yikes yeah. so yikes yeah, say yikes say like um, say so, yikes yeah, yes <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we just wanted we do actually read people's feedback. Um, and we do we do try and take yeah. it on board as much as possible. These were just two things that we like had spent actually quite a mm-hmm. long time talking about and like working through, and this was we thought it'd be better just to like to address it. Um, but this just seemed really dramatic. Yeah. But anyway, I hope that was um helpful um for people. And anyway, yeah. this episode is gonna be about theory and practice. Um, so what we mean by that is like theory is basically like working out how to think about things how to how to work things out of the world joe you'll be actually joe's doing a phd which is based a lot on theory so i think that you would know <laughs> you you'll be able to describe it much better than me <laughs> we've kind
1: of talked about this privately i think a lot and i mean there's like there's like so many like different i guess like a lot of definitions or like mm. aspects to like what theory would mean um as like you know concepts or like Kind of grasping certain things that are in relation with each other and trying to make sense of the world, but that would then, like, I mean, in academic space, you would have all of these different ways to, like, kind of definitions of like how people see the world and what reality even, like, they would acknowledge. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, there's a lot of concepts and and yeah, like theory really. But I think like where, like, where kind of like this interest in the topic came from, at least like. From what i remember from our conversations mm-hmm. and like what what i have thought about in general and how i even felt or still feel a lot of times is that like theory seems like something that belongs to these like elites mm-hmm. like usually a white like cis old man you know positioned in power and like whether that's like the ivory tower of like academia or like elsewhere like it has to like belong to someone. That's like you know trying to like make sense of the world and Mm -hmm. abstract it so much that like it sounds so formal and like important that most people think like they can never like reach to that point and can never actually like whether understand it or contribute to it. Mm -hmm. And I think like I mean obviously there's also so much revolutionary theory and like you know uh, theory for social change and stuff that is actually so powerful and Mm -hmm. has always been like rooted in the people, but it's been so abstracted that like for me at least. I've really had to dig deep and like why I even thought in the beginning I could never understand theory and like mm-hmm. why is it maybe actually like important or maybe why is it not important that much, you know? Like I think that's where at least like for me, I find this conversation super interesting.
0: Yeah, because I, I think that sometimes there's, sometimes it's almost like presented as this like dichotomy or this like two choice thing between like either either theory is the most important thing or either like practice or like doing, doing the things and implementing the things is the most important things. But I, I do mm-hmm. think it is like a, a false dichotomy or like a false choice because like both of them are so, should be it when done right like so connected to each other um but I, I really resonate a lot with what you're saying about feeling like you couldn't kind of weigh in on things around theory or or stuff like that because I think that like there becomes the sort of elitism within theory not even like elitism in set the, in the sense of like financial elites or stuff but elitism within like a oh there's an in crowd who know the right words like who have read all the all the right the quote-unquote right books and know like almost how to say a script to make you sound like you know what you're talking about I think sometimes and that if you don't know that script then you're just you're not seen as like enough in those spaces or that your contributions aren't, aren't aren't valued and that's where I think I can have a problem sometimes with this like over focus on theories it's it's it, I wonder like what what is this doing like what is it doing if, if you're pushing people out or making people feel like they can't be included because to me at least how I see theory is it's not it's not even just from books or academics or 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 the kind of more formal sense it's also from communities and like and what people know from Their almost like lived experience of organising and how they've thought about how to transform the world, and I think that sometimes it can be made so formal that if you don't say like, oh, the proletariat need to seize the means of production, then you don't work. Then you then you are not saying the right thing. Whereas someone else could be saying, oh, I think that working people should have like control and like responsibility and like ownership of the the things that they create in the in their lives and you can be saying like the same thing but it's almost like it's valued more if you say the like right buzzwords and I think sometimes that means we put focus on the buzzwords rather than on the content of what's what not just the content of what's being said but like the actual material impacts of what's happening then beyond that which I think it should be what we prioritize is like what what are we actually doing what are we actually changing Mm, I love that. I mean, I would go
1: a step further that like, I I think that like, theory always comes out of community. Mm -hmm. um, Because unless you have people, I mean, in general, like whether that's, you know, our idea of community, or like, in generally, like the masses of people, like, like if you're not based in materiality and like in the in the social world, like how what do you have of theory? Like nothing. Mm-hmm. And like I mean, it's so interesting that you, for example, meant you know mentioned like this um, the seizing of like production and like I mean Marxism mm-hmm. there, for, because for me like I was always like before I kind of like actually learned a lot about Marxism. I was found it was so theory heavy and I could never get like into that. I wasn't smart enough. Like. I like I also had maybe an issue of like, okay, these are usually like all men who talk about this. Mm-hmm. Like I was struggling with like so many things of like it's so like um buzzword heavy, like you said. Yeah, like, I felt very I was, like, How feeling. It's just like just too intimidated to like actually get into it. Mm-hmm. But then like I mean, I think this has been like amazing since I've been like able to like dive into it. Mm-hmm. I've actually like learned so much of that, like that's not at all what Marxism mm-hmm. should be or was mm-hmm. intended to be. Like and I mean, there's a lot of writing even by by Marx, who was like, unless theory is practice and praxis is theory, mm. like the, the other, like it doesn't exist, right? Like what's theory without praxis and what's, I mean, also for them, like what's praxis without theory? So like that you actually learn and educate mm. others through praxis and, and that's what theory was meant, you know? Mm. I mean, of course, I simplify here a lot and I'm also very like learning about the still like a lot and so I'm like also like a bit nervous to say it because I don't want to give like this is you know the the whole you
0: shouldn't even have to feel like how one thing I think is like how are we ever going to change the things if we're all too scared to learn about it and to no exactly and 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 to even step out and talk about it you know
1: no no exactly but I mean you know there's like yeah, I, I what I also like noticed a lot, for example, coming from like, like reading a lot more feminist literature and then like Marxist literature. And sometimes they do overlap, which for me has been the easiest, for example, to read. Mm-hmm. But like there was so much like name dropping and like rather than like talking about the like the kind of like the discourse. I mean, that's also like a. jargon word but like talking about like kind of like an overarching like idea Mm There was like no you have to like know this person this person this person to be able to make a statement yeah and i was like okay so like what i need to like study this my entire life and then i can make a point for what like (laughs) and like but like and so i've been like i don't know for me i think since i've been reading a lot more like feminist and like anti-racist and anti-colonial Marxists, for example i've i've definitely noticed a difference that they Mm. do this at less Mm -hmm. and and, and like all of the writing has been so much of like, unless it's rooted in community, it's useless. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know, because you're just abstracting, and actually you're feeding into kind of what we're actually trying to go against against elitism, mm-hmm. and whether that's based on like working class and you know the bourgeoisie or on
0: yeah.
1: gatekeeping. You know, and it's like, I mean, so yeah, I I completely understand what you mean, especially around these topics.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's also, also when I was saying that, like, what we're going to do if people are scared, it's not on you. It's more on, like, I'm more saying that as, like, our movements. I think that a lot of these kind of ideals are kind of upheld by, like, very, like, patriarchal, like, systems a lot. I think a lot of it is, like, and classism and, like, lots of other things as well. Um, And I think what I find so frustrating about it, especially this, like, oh, if you haven't read blah, 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 then your opinion doesn't matter, it's just like how are we ever expecting to grow our movements or to really transform the world if we don't have any space for people to to like arrive at them like I feel like there's almost not enough it's something that I think about a lot and that's something that actually um a friend and I are trying to work on is 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 thinking about how do we do kind of entry level like political education work like how do we like make it how do we create spaces where people can just kind of rock up and they maybe they've not done any movement they've never read any theory they've never done anything and they can still feel like they are welcome in those spaces and and that they're allowed to like learn things and 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 grow and act while doing all those things they don't have to feel like they have to have like read a stack of books before they're allowed to do anything um and how and because this is something that um asata Shakur writes about a lot in her autobiography just called asata it's like my favorite book that's actually quite a high bar, but yeah, it's probably my favourite book. Um, and I really like, like, autobiographies of, like, radical activists. It's my favourite niche. Um, but in it, she writes a lot about when she was... So she was a Black Panther and, like, racial justice liberation activist in the 1960s and 70s, um, and obviously beyond then as well. But um, this her autobiography is based on... It starts off with her being in prison, like, waiting um to have her trial that she, like like many other black liberation alt- activists um charges that she didn't do were put on her and she was put in prison and by the state he wanted to get rid of her um and then she kind of goes back through her life and up to that point and there's one part where she's been part of the panthers she's kind of left because um of patriarchy within those spaces and she's trying to work out like how do we create the liberated world that we need and she's struggling a lot with this um kind of like, false dichotomy between theory and practice. And, like, in that space, she just writes a lot about the importance of, like, a wider political theory campaign being part of movements. And, like, we actually try and educate people, not in, like, a... I don't know, not in, like, an in like a top-down, like, we're telling you what you should think way, but in a, like, this is an open and and safe and important space for for people to learn. Because I think she saw in the movement spaces that she was seeing is that either people were only doing theory and, and no active work or they were just focused on theory and then and not doing enough of the active work and that there needs to be some sort of movement that's focus is just on political theory and just on educating the masses to be honest about these things um, and she like kind of makes an argument for that to be very separate from the people who are doing direct action so people who are like doing things that cause huge disruption she said that that could, should be like anonymous and separate and that the political education work can can be done in like a separate way but is the public facing side of it which i thought was quite interesting sorry i spoke for quite a long time There, not sure if that no, no. that made sense <laughs> Do you think about this i mean after reading it i really kind of agreed because i think that i think possibly like a way that especially like the states like big government or corporations kind of can prevent necessary political education from happening is by like demonizing direct action movement and i think that if the political education part was separate from the like direct action part then it'd be much harder for like state the state governments and corporations to kind of take down the political education side which i think will lead people to make the conclusion that they should do direct action does that make sense as in like Mm -hmm.
1: like i I, think that yeah
0: yeah, i i I think that like we i think we need both of them but i think that the problem has currently been that a lot of if i use like i don't know like extinction rebellion as an example i think that a lot of people a lot of like people who don't do any organizing don't aren't in those spaces at all don't know much um are almost unwilling to listen to kind of any arguments that that, that an extension rebellion group would make around climate because of the attachment of them to the demonization that's happened to them but also like the actions that they've done their direct action and i think that there's there is like a really important part that is that we need to reach those people too and have a gateway for those people too. And that I think that the problem at the moment, I feel like, is that like there isn't really a gateway for a lot of people to begin coming in. Mm. I don't know if I've got too okay. complicated here. No, 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 I, I got you. I um,
1: I mean, I don't know. I think I have a, a bit of an issue with like the idea that we, that we like separate it that mm. much because mm. that would mean that like political education wouldn't happen also in direct action movements, which I think is one of my big critiques of XR, where I felt like there wasn't enough political education happening. And I think maybe then thinking of like education, not just being, you know, in the formal sense of we need to sit down, we have a teacher, because I think that's inherently flawed. Um, But like there wasn't enough political education. It was only by like this one guy who was spreading his misinformation about, you know, social movement theories and, Like I I think, if we would have, for example, like had more political education within the space, we could have also addressed issues around, for example, oppression within the movement. All of these things. Whilst at the same time, I also like I think this like distinction then would also feed into certain maybe narratives, at least in the beginning, that like we we continuing to separate ourselves from direct action movements. That kind of feeds into the demonization and the narratives around like. But these are bad protesters because they do X, Y, and Z, and they they are bad. And so I think, I mean, I I completely get, I think, the space, what you were talking about earlier, like creating spaces for people to enter. I think this is like what we need to be doing because there's so many hurdles of people. And, you know, we've both talked about this feeling insecure to go into a movement space because Mm -hmm. we don't know enough. And so I think the question is more
0: like, how can we bring political education everywhere? yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah. And I think what you like, kind of, at least what I'm saying, I don't want to misquote mm. her, but what like there was not that we don't do any political education internally in in direct mm. action spaces, but I think more that the role of that group isn't to do external education as oh, well. Okay. Is that almost mm-hmm. like the external education is like a is 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 separated so that it's able to kind of reach further? But I do, I do like a hundred percent, a hundred percent get what you're saying on. Um, the demonization of, of activists and of direct action. And I think that at least what I got from what she was saying was more that, like, rather than, like, trying to kind of seem, like, nice about the direct action we're doing or want to be favoured, we just do what's most disruptive and most, like, strategic. And that possibly the detachment from, like, a public-facing movement would mean that you're able to take bigger mm. risks, I guess, because... Like, obviously, whilst including liberation liberation politics within all of that, but like, be able to do that because there's less of a like, oh, this will ruin the entire movement. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I guess it goes also back to like having one movement to Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. do everything rather than like having a, you know, like a group like focusing on action and then another group like focusing on like, like, and so, I mean, that's, I guess, for me, that was also a big thing with XR, for example, where, like, suddenly everything needed to be under XR rather than XR having this, like, doing some stuff and then other movements doing this kind of stuff. And then you meet and then also you do different things. Like, what's, you know, like, a multitude of actions or movements. Like, I think that's usually a strength because people will find different, like, access points and, like, how to enter different spaces. So, yeah, I I mean, I get that. I think that's, like, I think that's a, a good thing. I think for me, like... Theory just has been like, actually quite like uplifting, and like maybe that's like a bit of a nerd like like thing. I feel very similar, (laughs) (laughs)
0: but I'm also a nerd, so I can't speak on whether that's a thing or not.
1: (laughs) But like, I don't know. I think sometimes like like also I mean like learning you know from like previous movements and I know for us that's like both like learning from like other like liberation activists from other movements like whether that's like present or past like it's so uplifting and like knowing that like we are not alone in these struggles and like I think also like basing things on people who've come before us and have written about these things and I I mean I remember we watched the same talk by Angela V. Davis and Adrienne Marie Brown where Adrienne Marie Brown like talked about you know like I'm changing things that have come before me, like based on theory or language, I think in what they were saying and like, please use it and adapt it to whatever is needed in your movement, in your space. And, you know, like, and I I thought that was so beautiful, like rather than always having to think, okay, like this one person said something on theory in this part and we can't ever adapt it. Like, you know, for me, it's like, I've kind of like found a lot of times like support in these like writings and um, found so much inspiration and, But also, like, I'm like, okay, but, you know, theory is there to be practiced, like, if I can't practice this, and if it's not for and with the people, then, you know, like, it's so useless. And like, for me, it's always been, I don't know, like, I've, I've, maybe also over the last year, like, I've read so much beautiful theory, which is on liberation struggles for my PhD. And like, I mean, for example, like I read a lot by like Paulo Freire, who's like works on pedagogy of the oppressed and like talks a lot about theory and is rooted in Marxism, but, you know, talks a lot about kind of education, especially and political education. And like his whole thing is like, you know, unless it's like with people and people create, I mean, collectively, sure. And yes, like needed, but you know, people need to lead and believe revolution and liberation for themselves. Like there can be leaders who can maybe facilitate, but there's not like you can't install like liberation into people like it needs to be, you know, rooted in community and all of these things. And I mean, I'm cutting this super short now because, yeah, but um, I think it's like so I don't know, for me, it's like so beautiful that like that you think of like, you know, I don't know what people have practiced over and over, and now we're going to make use of it, but based on whatever we need, right, in our own local struggles. And yeah,
0: yeah, no, that, no, that's so, that's so beautiful. And I, I also just quickly wanted to say that the talk was, um, if you want to find it, it's called "50 Years mm. of Imagining Radical Feminist Futures," and it's with um, DC, oh, sorry UC Davis's um, women's group, and you can find it on Facebook, I believe. Um, that was such a brilliant talk, and I think that what you're saying is like. Yeah, I think that yeah, I think that like obviously theory is so important because not only can it uplift us like in the way that you're talking about, I think I don't know, for example, recently I watched the Zapatista documentary by Big Noise which is on um YouTube and just watching about like how that kind of like pocket of revolution like came about and how it was sustained and how it has continually been sustained was like really like I don't know it fired me up I was like oh I can we can do it we can do it like if they can do it like we can do it like if they and and also we can learn from like okay so what what did they do there that made that work in that context and 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 how might that look like in my community and like how can we like yeah I think there's so much we can learn from each other's struggles even in I don't know in in Colombia being there for the election I think I learned a huge amount, but then I see that as almost theories. Like that is theory as well, just being in community with people and learning from how they're organising and 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 having conversations and and working out. Okay, so this is this has worked here, um, and this is and also it just encourages you so much. I I left kind of that space being like, wow. There is so much we can transform. There's so much we can change. And there are so many people who write about this, like Rebecca Solnit as well in Hope in the Dark, like talks about those different movements and how they've, and and that is used as a framework to kind of get us hope. So it's, it's obviously hopeful in, in that way. It's also helpful in the way that it can, we can learn from the mistakes of of other groups in the past. and And, but I think another like more personal way that I like really enjoy theories is it reminds me that I am definitely not the first person to have grappled with all of these different things. And actually, it's like, it makes much more sense to to listen and learn from the people who've been grappling with this for for centuries <laughs> um, and generations before. And I think that that can also just help us, like, feel a bit calmer in, in, in where we are um, and, like, find a way out. And I think that's why, yeah, that's why I also, I love like i love theory and i hate theory at the same time <laughs> yeah like but
1: i think yeah. i think that's i think it's because it's turned been turned into such an elitism mm. thing mm-hmm. like you know because i mean also i think like the the learning from history the using of the present but also the planning for the future right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i mean there's so much that like you know people like, wrote in the past, mm-hmm. which, like, are so true still today. Like, yeah. okay, they the, the maybe they like, how it uh, comes about is maybe different or, like, you know, how it looks in materiality is, like, maybe different. Mm-hmm. But, like, when we when we have the tools to, like, analyze certain relations or, like, how we kind of, like, see certain patterns, then that also means, like, we can actually think about long-term strategies. And I think that's mm-hmm. something... I'm thinking a lot, like, thinking about a lot right now, for example, in the UK, with, like, the increasing... Like, I don't even want to say this long, because it's so disgusting, but, like, the cost of living
0: crisis, Mm. like... um, But I think we can frame it as a cost of living scandal, because it's a complete scandal. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's it, like, you know, and, like... But, like, so
1: when you see, like, a lot of the campaigns that are happening that are incredible, like, the Don't Pay UK campaign, or, like, Mm. the Enough is Enough campaign, like... And I'm, like, seeing all of, like, how, like, for, like, for the first time, like, in decades in the UK, like, the working class has, like, been under such big attack to, like, mm-hmm. be turned against each other, like, mm-hmm. since that year, basically. And, like, right now it's like, such a beautiful moment where actually, like, it seems like there's a moment where, like, people are more open to learn. People are, like, more open to, like, also, like, you know, support strikes where, like, maybe a couple of years ago it would have been people would have been more pissed off. I'm sure there's plenty of people who are pissed off about a lot of things um, against workers and against, you know, groups that we should be in solidarity with. But like, it just seems like there's a moment right now where, you know, we can unite in in like many ways. And I really, really hope that like this is a moment where we, where we talk about political education, you know, like we don't even need to throw a, throw around i mean maybe for some people it helps maybe others it makes it more accessible but like political education right now and also like forming long-term strategy of like okay how are we gonna do like not just raise wages but like also think about other stuff you know but just, just because like raising wages is important but it doesn't change
0: all of the working class issues sadly and so i was gonna say that on? i think that like someone i think an example of of political education being done well in a like non elitist way is actually how like um mick lynch does his speeches because he doesn't use any jargon or like any i'm sure that he knows all the theory and stuff but he doesn't bother saying like oh we must liberate the blah blah like he doesn't like he just says things in plain terms that people will understand um in, and, and and shows it's just common sense and i think that that is Because obviously, like, I I do media interviews and things, so I've, like, thought about this quite a lot of, like, how... And I'm very aware that when I'm doing a news interview or something, I'm trying... I try to speak as if, like, a mum in the back... I try and imagine, like, a mum who's really busy and really stressed out has the news on and she's washing up dishes in the background. And I want her to still understand what I'm saying. And that's kind of what I try and focus on. Um... But but that but is I only learned that from training with Neons so and the New um, Economy Organising Network, who do brilliant work. Because before then, I think that almost because of how like elitisty, weirdy, like client spaces or active spaces can be, it's almost like I I I describe it a bit like almost like I had like a bingo box in my head of like um <laughs> like, to take all the yeah of like terms to say and like it well, because be, that's literally academia. Yeah. I want to cry. No, yeah, it was literally like I. It's almost like I felt after a news interview like oh. Well, if I've ticked enough of the bingo boxes of, like, saying a term, yeah. like, if I've said white supremacy or if I've said, like, liberation or if I've said, like, whatever else in that interview, mm. then it was successful. Um, because then I would get praise from people within the movement. But actually, like, a mum who's washing her dishes in the back and has the news on in the background just because, and she's busy and she's got her kids running around to her. She's not going to know what the heck I'm talking about if I'm using all of these different terminologies. And so... I think sometimes we just need to think like, who are we trying to reach with our political education? It's like, are we just trying to like, um, reach the, I just thought of saying, are we trying to do a circle jerk? And I was like, I can't say that. Um, (laughs) are we trying to like reach the people who already care and make them feel better about themselves? Or are we trying to actually reach the majority of people in that need to hear this stuff? And that, And they probably already care about this stuff, but like it's helpful for them to like hear it communicated or framed. I think that's what like a role of a lot of communicators are is to like isn't to tell people things they don't already know. It's to kind of put the puzzle pieces that the people already have in their heads together um, and in a way that will like actually cause change. So I think that's something to think about. And I think on like on like the theory part as well is if anyone's listening to this and is like, oh my gosh, I haven't read, blah, 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 blah I can't do anything, or that if that's been stopping you from getting involved in movements, I beg you, please don't let that stop you getting involved because I'm sure that you have, you might think that you don't know enough when actually I'm sure that you have unique perspectives and ideas that that are needed in these movement spaces. I think all of us have visions and no one's vision is, is a distraction or no one's vision is too big or too small for like what we need for our future. Um, and I think that kind of in the discourse, on, you know, on Twitter, especially. There is this whole thing about, like, people who have good politics or people you have good politics, whatever else. And I saw this really brilliant tweet by Yara, who's, like, at um, YSXSH on Twitter, um, that said, you can't have good, quote-unquote, good politics if you don't organise, quote-unquote, good politics. It teaches us that we need to organise to be actively involved in building revolution. If you just read and tweet and don't organise, it means that you're not actually absorbing the texts you're reading. I... I think that is really good as, like, a hopefully call-out to people. But obviously it's a tweet, so it's, like, limited. Like, obviously I think there are roles for people to be people who write, like, and people who communicate. Um, And there are loads of roles within movement. I think the more what that is saying is the people... So there's a lot of people like this. Especially, like, I have dated people like this. (laughs) Who will be like, oh, I'm so woke and I'm so, like, oh, I... I'm so anti-racist or I'm so like, mm. I'm, and that's why I need to shout it from the rooftops. Yeah. Or they'll be like, oh, I'm definitely going to join Antifa and then won't. Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, they'll just like to chat big and do, don't do anything. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes there's a brand of people just annoys me because I'm like, how can you read all these books and not join a movement or like, or not, or not, not do anything more than just just talk to people who already care about this stuff, about this stuff, like and and tweet out into your circle of people who already care about this stuff. I to me it's like this huge disconnect and that I just find that, that I think means it's and I think it's because ego can come into it sometimes of like we just want to feel like we're we're good and the most radical, yeah, and the, and the the best. And actually I think that we need to like challenge ourselves and challenge each other to, yeah, to remember like what what is the point of all this stuff? And also what is this stuff actually calling of us to do? and, and why are we just like reading this stuff and feeling good about ourselves but not doing anything about it like and not having that and not and leaving the the work of transforming our world to other people it just it's just it's a bit rude (laughs) really to be honest like like why do we think someone else is going to save us
1: yeah I mean I see it so much in academia like so much like because it's such like I don't know I think there's I mean there's also like a huge problem of egos right where like people I mean the whole industry really like thrives on the idea that like whatever you write is like the most important. I mean, not actually not everybody, you know, but like what, if you fit in certain boxes, then that is like the most important and the most like, you know, needed stuff in the world. And obviously that's like toned down so much because it fits into a very neoliberal, like extractivist, um, you know, industry really. And so like, I see this a lot where like, even people who like like people say, they write about so much like radical stuff, but honestly, like when you read it, and I know it's for a certain audience, and so you target a certain audience that wants you to write like this. But I'm like, it's so inaccessible that even though like I'm in the space, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. This is it. And I, and I don't know like what what actually like is it doing right? And like for me, like. I don't know, I think like this first year of like doing a PhD, like I grappled with that so much because Mm -hmm. constantly I'm like, well, what am I actually, what am I actually doing? Like, what am I actually contributing? And I, I do think there's, like, you know, academia and research and communication and all of these things are roles within our movement, mm. but only if you use it for movements. Mm. And, like, for me,
0: I think that's exactly. the thing. Like, and that needs to be in the vision. It needs to be, like, when you're doing it, you're thinking, yeah. how is this going to have, like, a material impact on, on changing the world around us? Not just doing yeah. it to do it. And I think sometimes there is a lot of just doing what's it to do it. Like, what's the, what the I actually have such a problem with I'm like, but if it doesn't contribute to social change, what's the point? Yeah, have you seen that video of Lorraine Kelly going, what's the point? what's the point <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much <laughs> every time someone does something that's oh completely gosh, pointless I just yeah, send it to someone it's like,
1: literally that what's the point but I mean yeah so I think like what we're saying I, I think it's just like important to really like maybe reiterate that like there are so many roles in our movements and if writing and or communicating is one of those for you that's like amazing because we do need people but I think for example for me from my perspective of like academia. Like, me, I only want to do it if it contributes and if I make my resources available for social movements and I, you know, like, whatever, like, the bridge between activism. Like, I for example, I don't get how you can leave your activism at the door when you enter an academic space. That means then, like, your activism is limited when it doesn't disrupt power, right? And so, for example, like, that's, like, already, like, useless. And at the same time, like, science communication, you know, is, like, good. But then also, like, if it doesn't contribute, like you know we already know so much and so like activists might not need all of the all of the data that somebody is doing in a lab to get the point across that climate change is you know bad like
0: and i, I think that's yeah like reach out to groups to be honest and like ask what do you actually need mm. like what or, or just go out into the community and talk to people and the work shit. out what is actually like needed and i think that like obviously yeah. things are needed in different spaces we need people who can like really nichely Mm. describe things to specific areas and and communicate yeah. with different with specific people so it's not that everything has to be like accessible for everyone as no, in, no. in how it's written but i think no, that it's we just, just need, different yeah it's just like but it's also like i don't think there's enough stuff that is accessible for most people no for sure, for sure i think the majority of of things out there like i've read i've read a lot of a lot of books recently in the climate space um and I think a lot of them I couldn't give to, like, my mum, who is... And also, my mum still is, like, a very intense... She's very, like... She's been through higher education, like, well, everything else. But I think she just... And she hangs out with you all the time, so, like, she knows a lot of the work, And she follows all my stuff, and I still think that she'd read these things and be like, I don't know what the heck is going on. And I'm like, if that's... If my mum would feel like that, then how would someone who hasn't had access to her education or who, like, has no connection to... Anyone in activist spaces, how are they going to access this? They 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 can't. So it's sometimes it's a question of like, are we creating enough things that do reach out of the like bubble? Um, I think that's important. I think also obviously both of us we're ve- we're very aware that there are, as Joe's already said, there are different roles. Because I mean, like I see myself as my role being a communicator and a writer in movements and and or an organizer as well. Like, but I think that idea. my yeah, but I think that yeah, but I think that I'm not dismissing those forms at all no no no, yeah i'm just saying that like i think that we need to i also think that we can all have multiple roles we don't have to just do one thing and i think that we should be yeah not only thinking about how our work as communicators or whatever else is contributing to like the wider movements but also how can we also work alongside those movements and be part of them um i think that's that's really important too Hi everyone, um, we're going to talk to you a bit about Patreon, which is how this podcast is financially supported.
1: Yeah, so we
0: are a community funded project um,
1: and basically Patreon is a website where um, people can support creators that produce content like this podcast, um, which is freely accessible. But if you do want to support this project um, because you've learned something from it or yeah, just because you kind of like... I guess want to uh, invest in it in that we can pay our guests, we can pay for artwork and music and all of these things. Um, then, yeah, you can use Patreon, where basically we have an account um and the tiers there's different tiers and you can start from three pounds a month and yeah we produce uh, extra content on there uh, in the weeks that we don't release an episode and in the weeks that we do upload something you get the content earlier four days earlier
0: and without ads and any breaks so you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash the yikes podcast there's lots of other stuff on there um, you get an early episode you get to support this work because we don't do many or if not any ads normally um, in other ways so the way this work is able to happen is because of Patreon um, so your support genuinely means the world to all our patrons who have already supported us so far in the past or currently thank you so much because this podcast wouldn't genuinely be possible without you guys um and we're really really grateful for all of your support so if you can please do head over to patreon.com slash the x podcast and support us on patreon
1: I mean I think also like maybe one thing is like just rethinking our education in general like I when I learned for example how La Via Compensina in Nicaragua organizes in a way that like people go to various farms and like they kind of like everybody hosts like everybody and like does like a teach in and that that can be like through spoken word but that's also just like following each other's practices depending on the land what the land needs and like and for example European farmers have gone there to learn from them you know so also like the disruption of like colonial kind of like traces where usually Europe thinks they know it all and so like there's and like there's like various other like social movements like the landless workers movement and and like I don't know like where education has been broken down in a way where like you don't have you know like this like this one person that has to now teach you the theory but it's like you know both teacher and student are vice versa and like it's I think like when we celebrate more that and also I think just the the embodiment of stuff like for example like you know if you had like one community group go to another and like you just kind of practice I think that's something that like is so much more accessible and also reinstalls you know hope and like Actually, like installs liberation because you have suddenly a bodily feeling that like wait actually like i've I've experienced something today where I learned, and like I could have not gotten this from a book, right, like even though maybe the book writes about it and helps you analyze it if that's what you do, but you know, so I think that's like something also that we can consider in our movements of like how do we how do we like practice education differently through bodily experiences?
0: mm, I love that. That's so cool, mm. that's such a good like thing to think about, and like, and I guess we can, and in doing that, yeah, as you're saying, learn from other groups that have done things in 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 very different ways. I love that kind of exchange, um I actually can't pronounce his name, but Paolo Fier- 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 Freire. Freire. he writes a lot about that as well as like education being an exchange, and um I found that really like transformative for how I've kind of gone forward in learning things and 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 teaching things um like that when we because it is an exchange but it's weird how we won't acknowledge it as an exchange sometimes like sometimes but not an exchange in the capitalist way but no like no you, <laughs> you do it for getting something right yeah, and yeah. like but it is so beautiful like of
1: course mm. like I, I mean thinking that like by transforming something you are also being transformed mm. like how fucking beautiful right mm. like i don't know it's just like everything
0: yeah. we change <laughs> changes us um October, What's that? Brother. um Yeah, because I think also when it comes to political education and things, there have, in in kind of formal structures, there have been programs that have done this. Like the Black Panther Mm. Party made that a really big focus of their movement was like, we are going to do political education of our communities and of our organizers. Mm. And like Pan-African Saturday schools tried to do that in more just to like teach kids where they came from when they came to the UK Mm. and um, to kids from African diaspora like communities they'd know where they came from and and writers like um and thinkers like akala writes a lot about how that impacted his politics and and him going forward and I, and it's almost I do think that we need kind of more of that stuff that is that is like really trying to reach the community and really like doesn't have but it doesn't have to be like a formal Saturday school or whatever else but it but it's just something that is like we are the point of this is to do outreach and to reach people and not just for one campaign for, like, not just in reaction to something that's happening, but instead being, like, we are... I kind of... I get really, like, you know, I get very fair about this stuff, but I kind of see it as, like, the kind of the common ground that we have of what... which is what we can draw from, like, what kind of knowledge we can draw from, what kind of things are seen as... Um, are seen as common sense by people. That is something that we almost need to, like, fertilise and, like... Um, Make it fertile for radical ideas and for transformation to be possible and I think that part of like fertilizing that ground is 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 like focusing on political education as like a as a really big focus, so that when things happen like when tipping points happen, for example, the cost of living scandal that's happening right now and the strikes that are happening right now, I genuinely think that the only way that these like ideas have been and ideas about transformation and things have been so popularized recently is because of how many people have been fertilizing the common ground for for so long so that when a cost of living crisis happens um people's response to it is i can't believe the bosses are making so much when i'm not making anything and the only reason that people are able to even make those connections in many ways is, is also because of the people who've been fertilizing the common ground for for so long and so i think that it's remembering that a lot of this work isn't just in reaction to big crises that happen but it's like how can we sustainably do this political education that means that people do draw these conclusions when crises happen and understand what's actually happening um and that could be more of a focus
1: i yeah i love that a lot i i mean i i see sometimes like i saw recently like there was in new york city they had um in like a working class area they transformed like part of a park into like a grumshy Monument to like teach like they had basically like a whole library of just like free radical political education, but then they also like just like like had like food events and like I don't know we're just like and I think I think it's no name that like for example sends like radical books and stuff like into like prisons and like Mm -hmm. you know like I I know there's also I can't think of their name right now on Instagram. But, like, um, they do a lot of, like, teaching, like, on Instagram, like, through reels on, like, political education. But then also now they're starting, like, a community space. And they're, like, trying to, like, send out, like, books, but also, like, kind of, you know, like, having, like... um kind of like community sessions where then they they talk about different ideas and then or like they talk about idea and then they find a book maybe to like deepen what mm-hmm. the community is already thinking of anyways and mm. I don't know like stuff like this like I'm like just thinking about it I just it's like makes me like I don't know almost like have like shivers because I'm like I like I wish for example growing up I would have had spaces like that around me because you know seeking out these resources okay like you know I mean according to me I have sound politics and like you know, like a sound slang, and that, and, and to me, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Like a right wing person wouldn't think so. right? Yeah, like, <laughs> no, like, I mean, I have so much to learn, but like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Ha- no, like no, I, I had like, you know, good teachers in the beginning. And then like, I was able to like, seek these resources out by myself. But like, imagine you like in, in our communities, like we would have these spaces where also like, you wouldn't have to pay to get in. Like you, you know, like we did more like solidarity, whether that's like, what's like, Um, people who don't have access to houses, people who are, like, incarcerated, people just, like, you know, what does it mean as, like, a single mom who doesn't have, like, all of the time, like, can we have, like, child services there to, like, think, to, like, have discussions, like, these are all things that, like, you know, create barriers, but also, like, practicing them would already be practicing theory, and then we can expand on that, right, and so... Yeah, fertilizing the ground, I think, is something that like we need to do a lot more. And I think right now is the time where we can harvest some of the fruits for
0: hopefully some like radical politics in the UK. Like we need it. (laughs) Yeah, I I think also kind of I love to expand the metaphor is like if not only do we need to fertilize the ground, but we need to think like what conditions have been preventing that ground from being fertilized for for the right kind of thing. Like what? Yeah, and you're saying about childcare, like. Access, like access to housing, access to education, all of these different, like, app, like who decides the curriculums, like all of these different things, the media, and that, and uh, like who who exists and has platforms on social media, even things like that, who controls social media, like who controls the algorithms, It's also about obviously fertilizing the ground and, and making those spa- and making spaces, but also what tackling the stuff that's that's inhibiting those spaces too, and even I think part attacking part the stuff that's inhibiting those spaces is also kind of making things more accessible as as well in the way I remember this was when I was younger, but there was this whole like dramatic news thing of like, oh my gosh, people have translated Shakespeare into slang. This is terrible. But loads <laughs> of kids are being like, this is the first time in my life that I've understood yeah. what what the fuck Shakespeare the fuck was saying. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it, obviously I'm I'm not saying that we need to be reading Shakespeare, but it's more like how can we take these books that people see as essential that maybe you were written, I don't know, like 100 years ago and aren't that accessible now, or maybe not 100 years ago, maybe however long ago. How can we translate those? And it doesn't mean just translating it into words. It means translating it into podcast episodes or into picture books or into comics or into like das Kapital as a children's book yeah love it (laughs) let's go (laughs) um yeah but but for real though because I try and read Marx and I'm like what the heck um so yeah like how can we communicate those like those same ideas and that same theory in like other ways that are more accessible or that reach people because we all learn differently as well and I think that that's important is like how we need to have it represented in those different ways and that's kind of why like, I love how, like, the arts can do that in some ways. In, for example, um, like, Hades Sound, my favourite musical that I talk about all the time. Um, I Really? Think- <laughs> you like that? <laughs> but I think what they're doing is without people knowing they're doing it, they are communicating, like, an- like anti-neoliberalism theory through a musical, which I think is amazing. Like, And it's because the whole musical is basically about, like how do you how can we as a community walk out of hell like how can we do it like if we're living in hell then how do we walk out of hell and it's also talking about like how much power systems are upheld because they make you feel like you're on your own they make you doubt yourself um and they separate us from each other and so through art which never explicitly says that that's what it's doing that is educating people and I think that's why like having all these different ways is is so important um and that's why I love how, like, artists can also come into these spaces and, and, and be part of creating that physical education.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, on that note, I think it's a really beautiful way to, like, wrap up. Um, thinking of, like, yeah, I mean, you know, there is, for example, actually, like, to this Capital, there is, like, a um, a course on, like, a tr- like, where somebody, like, helps you like actually which is like really nice um i forgot his name but he's like a big marxist like scholar but beyond that point like i think like you know if like theory can help us as we've said like throughout but unless it's rooted in praxis like it's useless right like it's just like shouting into the void and like measuring ego and like you know we have enough of that so I hope this was like interesting to people. I love this conversation because also we are both nerds and we do love reading, but also we do like community act you know like thinking about like how we can actually
0: like be rooted in community so yeah, I don't know and also i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna be reading theory, don't do it alone, like do it in a group and and talk about it and And talk about how to apply it. I think that that's, I think that a lot of the time I'll read something and I'll actually message Joe and like we'll have like a call or chat or whatever and be like, okay, I'm trying to work through this. What does this mean? Or like, um, but how do we really think about that? And I think that we even say through these podcast episodes, we leave them a lot of the time ourselves having had a conversation like, wow, okay, think about this this way. I know I'm
1: like really great now, like inspired. Like maybe I can actually like crack some of the problems
0: that I had for my for what yes. I'm writing <laughs> I mean I I feel the same with my project like speaking about it I'm like mm. maybe I need to redo something um, but I think that's the thing is we're always constantly all of us constantly learning as that episode that <laughs>
1: that we have oh, plug
0: plug constantly. for our own episode are, Um but we are all constantly yeah. learning and it's not about and the, it shouldn't be like oh you're aiming to have read every book no. on this and that's when you will have like Even though I wish achieved I could enlightenment yeah as much as yeah as much as we wish we could yeah. like it's it's also about like what can we do and and to be honest if you spend all your life just reading and and then not ever applying any of that then what's the point like yeah maybe you'll reach some sort of like enlightenment with yourself but what has that done for your neighbors what has that done for our community um so yeah i think like i hope that this has maybe like challenged or even drawn some things together for people um and let's do more political education and more like transforming the world practically and within our minds, because I mean, that's nothing actually, so I don't want to, I can't bring up another point. I was going to quickly say that this is one thing that Adrian Marie Brown talks about a lot is like in transforming ourselves, transforms the world around us. And so therefore it is important transforming ourselves, but also we need to think, how is that going to transform the world around us? Um, But I've loved this conversation as well. Thank you so much for listening. Um, My name is Michaela Loach. I am at Michaela Loach on all social media platforms
1: I'm Joe Becker. I'm Cheese and Peace on Instagram. Josephine Becker on Twitter.
0: And um, shout out to Music, Bits and Bobs, Magic by Finlay Mowat. So you can follow um, the podcast on Twitter at The Yikes Pod and on Instagram at The Yikes Podcast. Please, if you're listening to this um, episode actually wherever you are listening to this episode if you could give us a cheeky five star rating um that really helps the podcast reach more people um and helps these ideas reach more people um and also please do share the episode in your story if it's resonated with you and tag um the yikes podcast or share it on your grid or share it on twitter whatever just tag us we'd love to see it and we love to hear your thoughts about the episodes um we really think that they can contribute to it um and big 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 shout out to our patreons because without y'all i said y'all as if i'm american but um as if i'm from the united states sorry america is much bigger than just the us but um we wouldn't be able to do this work so seriously thank you all so much you're supporting this and i hope this book pod- i see this podcast as, as part of us contributing towards political education in some way so you're helping that work happen um we hope you're having a really brilliant day and enjoy the rest of your week bye <laughs>